But at the end of the day, rubber to the road. I'm the only one who can put on the Trixie makeup and the wig and do it, you know. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. She really needs no introduction, but when I did ask for her bio, this is what was sent over. Cosmetics mogul, icon, superstar, and skinny legend, Trixie Mattel. Welcome to Los Angeles, Trixie. Thank you. Thank you. Where did you guys record in LA? Where are you? We are. We are in Los Angeles. Oh, I'm in Hollywood. I'm over here. Yeah. We are big fans of you. We are big fans of your brand, which we will be talking about in a minute. But first, Trixie, we ask all of our guests, what's on your face? Well, I usually on my day off from drag, I don't really have an option to not wear makeup because the drag, like, rips up my face so much usually i usually look really red like my eyebrows that are glued down the day before usually look all red my eyelids are usually all red my lips usually stain pink my whole jawline from shaving will be irritated so i usually am like trying to recuperate my skin and like cover it a little bit so i don't look so crazy so i usually will wear as far as like a beauty product like i love like the makeup forever reboot it's like a tinted moisturizer that's made for like I think it was formulated for, like, models for, like, the day off between shoots. It's supposed to, like, recuperate your skin, but even you out. I really like that. I really like the Laura Mercier Tinted Moisturizer because it has a very light sunblock. For a while, I liked Urban Decay 1 and Done, but I think they discontinued it. I like the NARS one. That has an SPF 35, that illuminating tinted moisturizer, but it's, it's an SPF 35, which is nice for Los Angeles, but it really reeks, like, sunblock, so I don't, like, always want to use that. And then for concealer, I'll wear like Mac Pro Longwear concealer a little bit under my eyes because it's a really thin liquid just to like even out my redness from being a drag. You know, all that black and white liner, doing it every day and like removing, you know, it's just, there's no way for me to not traumatize my face a little bit. And then for skincare, lately I've been really into this Aesop like moisturizing gel. It's almost the consistency of like Play-Doh or something. It's really weird. But it leaves my face feeling syrupy, almost tacky, the way, like, hydro primer leaves your face, like, tacky. My skin can really take that level of moisture, especially, like, you know, at night I go to bed and slather on full-blown, like, oil, like the Aesop Fabulous Face Oil. Or I like the Beauty Balm. I believe it's, like, B3. Just, like, oil. I mean, all types of oils. My face can take oil. Taylor Skincare makes, like, an oil. My skin is so dry and so traumatized. Like, I, on days off, I really look. I really walk around like a wet slug. You would never know that your skin is traumatized. You are absolutely glowing. Oh, good. I mean, I lucked out. So good job, all of those products. I don't really get acne, which I guess people are always like, your skin's perfect. But like my skin being dry, I don't really get acne, but dry patches, flaking, like if it's really dried out, I'll get a lot more fine lines. Like my skin is just always dry. So I'm always fighting that. And I'm sure that everyone asks you this, but what is your like go-to cleanser? Like when you're taking it all off or I'm sure there's maybe a few. Yeah. When I'm getting out of drag, it's like a three-step process. I have the one size beauty go off spray. It's like an oil and I spray that on. I'll let it sit for like 90 seconds. I'll let it sit till like my makeup's running down my face. And then I'll go in with Albaline, which is a really old school, like drag makeup remover get that on the face and then I'll take a Neutrogena wipe or if I'm feeling really rich, I love the Mac complete comfort wipes, the pink ones. They're like $38 a pack, but they are really, really good. And my skin, like I said, hates the removal process of makeup. My skin hates the removal process more than makeup. So I try to use the gentlest stuff possible. And then after I'm in drag, I pretty much go right in with like, I mean, sometimes that will take like, a really heavy like hand salve that like maybe somebody who is a 
farmer would use on their hands. And that's what I need to put on my face because it really does not like the trauma of dried makeup. And then when on a normal day, I just will use, right now I'm using the, the MAC Hyper Real cleanser. I like that. I saw it on the internet. I was like, maybe I'll use that. So right now I'm using that. I'm always switching it up, you guys. Hold on, we're traveling with me. We're traveling with people like that. <laughs> oh, Kate Somerville Exfoliate. That's really nice. This like really, really gentle kind of chemical exfoliant. It's like a chemical exfoliant, but it really just feels very citrusy. For toner, I really like this Aesop Parsley Seed. Some of this Mario Badescu stuff is nice. The facial sprays are really nice. Like I said, usually anything that's like the less is better for me. Something that's like straight up rose water or like straight up, you know, I think my skin just understands that stuff well. Just like straight, you know, what do you have on your face? Almond oil, you know, like straight, like ingredients of, of skincare sometimes. <laughs> I was going to say that the Neutrogena Norwegian formula, the hand cream, is basically like Aquaphor. So it makes sense that you would maybe throw a hand cream on your face like that. That's fine. Right. Especially on tour, like, you know, when I'm on the tour bus, which they keep tour buses very dry and cold because I'm not like a normal beauty influencer. I have a job. So I don't just get ready and not leave the house. I have to usually get ready and go sing and dance and shit. So a lot of times... On the tour bus, it's so dry. Like, I don't want to be gross, but my face can basically take aquaphor to the face before bed. Literally Vaseline on the eyes. Because it gets so stripped from the shaving and the removal, like the removal of that heavy makeup. The more makeup you have on, and I'm wearing like glue on my eyes, glue on my eyebrows, glue in my hair, like glue all over my head. So like, the more you have to take off, the more you have to like put in. And so I end up really loading oh my God. up with like straight oil before bed. But I'm not like acne prone, so really my skin can take it. I have never really even thought about the shaving that goes into drag, but have you done laser hair removal? Is that something that you've ever considered or done? I'm not very hairy. I mean, I'm 34 and I don't even have armpit hair. I'm very hairless. I don't have chest hair. I don't have anything. So, <laughs> you know, in some ways I was built for drag, like, I'm like, I'm bald. And I have eyebrows, but they're not crazy thick, so they're easy to cover. In some ways, I'm very lucky. And also, I live as a male. I, I present, you know, if you saw me at the grocery store, you wouldn't think I'm a world-famous drag queen. I look like, you know, someone's uncle. Because I wear, like, <laughs> you know, I wear, like, flannels. And I either look like a farmer or I look like an off-duty, like, heterosexual male DJ. I'm either, like, all black with, like, a snapback and sunglasses. Or I'm dressed like a farmer. I have like Timberlands and, and, you know, work boots and, you know, because I don't really dress like Trixie full time. Like I don't wear a lot of pink in the world, a lot of drag and stuff, you know. So once in a while, I'll really feel it. And I'll like go to the airport in an all pink tracksuit with a backpack and I'll feel really like, I don't know, sometimes I want to feel the fantasy on the way to the gig. I want to feel like Trixie out of drag that day, but most of the time I just want to hide. Do you go to anyone in LA for facials? Is there, are you like a big facial like you go to see your dermatologist every you know a few months what's your what's your go-to in LA I don't even have a dermatologist is that horrible I feel like beauty people all have like a deep deep connection with a dermatologist and I just don't but I go to Ross Callahan at skincare Wiz on Instagram and he gives me like PRP like vampire facials like three times a year so that really helps me with texture and it's nice three times a year to kind of just do like a resurfacing like that it helps me with glow and texture and like firmness. Everything just looks, especially for like the six weeks after a PRP facial, you really look like a baby. But I mean, if you guys can see this is my real, this is the real me. I mean, you look great. Normal skin. I love that. <laughs> yeah, just like normal, normal, but dry skin. And sometimes I've been doing drag so long. Sometimes I'm like, is my skin dry or has it just been traumatized for 15 years? Like if I didn't do drag, maybe it wouldn't be so dry. What I run into a lot is like my eye area getting so dehydrated and traumatized from all the glue and like, you know, the big black gel liner that I wear like this big, you know, like those long wearing gel products are not really meant to cover your whole lid every day. So I do it to myself probably. No, you're doing great. Also, that's just like being in your 30s. Like you just are drier. Like that's Everything's just dry. it happens. So you're you're doing amazing. Okay, we have to talk about 
where you started, born in Wisconsin. Tell us like growing up, where did you find beauty? Like what was your idea of beauty? What inspired you? Who did you look up to? What was it like being little Trixie? Okay, so makeup artists have these stories of like going through magazines and cutting out pictures and watching their mom put makeup on. And fashion people have these stories of like sneaking Vogue magazines and like doing sketches. I don't have any stories like that. I mean, I just, you know, I wanted to be a guitar player for most of my teens and like into my 20s. So I was playing guitar and like not really worried about beauty or drag or anything. And then I saw the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was like 17. And something about that, something about that movie, like the use of hair and makeup and costume to like make fun of and like confront gender in a way was very interesting to me. And I didn't really have the vocabulary or anything to understand it. I just like couldn't stop watching the movie. I was like, there's something here. There's something about this man like giving up his maleness and then putting out women's clothing and then being more powerful because of it. There was something there that I was interested in. It was like a reverse Wonder Woman of like, you know, in our society, men are supposed to be it's a patriarchy, so men are the men, the men, the men, the men. And for a man to give that up and dress like a woman and then be be stronger for it, I was there was just something there that I was tapping into. It was like I was tuning into like a little radio and I could hear crackles, but I couldn't hear the song yet, you know? And then I started I was in college and I started doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Milwaukee Landmark Theater. And I started doing the monthly Rocky Horror like midnight showings. Have you guys ever been to one of those? Yes. They're a lot you know, of fun. They're like throwing popcorn and people are drunk and screaming. I mean, the person left to you has a Frankenstein mask on. The person next to you is in drag. The person in front of you is covered in blood and passed up drinking. You know, the person behind you is throwing glitter. It's just like a party environment in a movie theater where like horror and gender and comedy and, 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 and sex and everything goes. And you guys can imagine I'm from a small town. That type of environment just like browned me tempura battered me and fried me so quickly like it was just i went from being scared to say i was gay to like you know all my money i was walking down to cbs and going over to wet and wild and buying the wet and wild and covergirl and revlon and i wasn't wearing makeup out but i was at home like in my dorm room just putting it on and walking around the dorm in it just like experimenting with pieces of drag and what it made me feel like and you know just like i'm not very brave and so in a lot of ways it was like very small steps. You know, I would only wear makeup when it was a show. And then I was in theater schools. And then I started playing with theater makeup and doing old age. And then we would do prosthetics. And then we would do clownery. And then, we, you know, it was almost like I was circling the drain and drag was last, you know? The beauty, like the embracing of like beauty makeup and me being interested in beauty makeup was like the last thing. So finally, when I got my first jobs at like a freelance for a brand called Do Off Cosmetics. Do you guys remember that brand? Oh my gosh, yeah. I got a job freelancing for them for a holiday season at a Sephora, Mayfair Mall in Milwaukee. And I remember I I couldn't believe I got the job. There must have been nobody applying. I found the ad on Craigslist. And they were like, have you ever sold makeup before? And I said, no. And they were like, great. See you at Sephora. Like, it was like, okay. And it was like baptism by fire. I was like, all right, I have to move this product. And I do know a little bit about makeup. So I took the products home. I read the ingredients on the boxes. I looked up all the ingredients to figure out what everything did. And then I just went in and basically made my own sales pitch for these products. And I loved it. I loved selling makeup. And I loved doing makeup on people. Because I was kind of already starting to dabble in like doing girls makeup for brides. I was already doing like bridal makeup and homecoming makeup. Then I worked in an Ulta for a while, and Ulta was a great training ground because there's so many brands, all the way from drugstore to prestige. So I got all this free training and free education. It was it was a great job. And then I ended up being at Mac for four and a half, four and a half years, five years. I got out of college. So I graduated college and I was full time at Mac. And I loved it. Forty hours a week I got paid to put makeup on women and I was a product nerd, product junkie. I knew everything about every product. I was the person at the counter you asked, like, hey, does is this a water-based foundation? I'm like, actually, it's a silicone water emulsion. Like, I knew everything about products. I just loved knowing things about products. And little did I know I was going to have a makeup brand someday, and all that would have paid off. So, But I always, like, honestly, working behind the counter, and for 40 hours a week, I watched people shop for makeup, which, as somebody who makes makeup, I can't tell you how educational it is. 
There's a lot of like celebrity owned brands, but all of them have clocked zero hours behind a makeup counter selling makeup. So I could have never known how much that would help me understand because I'm, I'm a product junkie, but I also know what an average person with a makeup bag this big wants. Most people buy one lipstick and have it for five years. Like most people are not like us. They're not product junkies. They're not product nerds. And that just taught me so much working at the makeup counter. So I guess to answer your question, very long form, five minutes later, my journey into beauty was so last minute. Like by the time I finished college, I finished my music degree and I was like, I guess I want to do makeup. I love doing makeup. And I was already doing drag. So, you know, by day I would work at the makeup counter and by night I would leave them all, close the store, go to the club, get in drag and do a show. I love that you brought up the point about having the experience behind the counter because you're so right. There are so many founders that have never had experience actually talking to a consumer. They're either like extremely niche where they've only had experience working maybe at a brand before or being a celebrity where they've had to do publicity in a certain way. But I have always noticed that especially when you're talking to us on YouTube and like you're you're either doing makeup or you're you're discussing like a product launch you're not only able to cater to the people like us who understand like what a silicone gel emulsion is, but also be able to tell someone who doesn't know what that is and have them be interested in wanting to actually try it. That's like a very difficult thing to do that a lot of, I think a lot of founders miss out on because they don't get that face-to-face experience of having to actually try to sell a product to real people. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you work in retail, so much of what you do is launching products, right? So much of what you participate in behind the counter is introducing products to the public, right? When a brand like Math or Urban Decay or whoever makes a product, they design how it gets rolled out, the images, the price points, um, maybe the key ingredients they want. But you ultimately are the last step between the consumer having it and the brand selling it. You are the glue there. And that is, like, invaluable. You learn a lot by watching what brands want you to talk about. Each brands have their own idea Mm. of what's the most important thing to talk about. Some brands are very ingredient technology-driven. Some brands really want you to talk about how a product makes you feel. Some brands just want you to talk about a price. They want you to just talk about how good of a price it is for what it is. And all of that was so educational. And I loved it. I loved sales. I still love sales. When I was a kid, I used to watch, not HGTV, uh, Home Shopping Network. HSN? Yes. And I would turn down the volume and I would talk over the people selling. My dream was to be on Home Shopping Network. And so it's funny now that like when I'm doing my hotline reveal and I'm talking product technology and swatching products, I'm like, oh my God, I am on Home Shopping Network now. Would you ever want to be on a QVC or, or have you ever been on QVC or a Home Shopping Network for Trixie? I would love to. I would love to. Because Trixie Cosmetics, we do... Obviously, high pigment, you know, pro formulas, but we do neutrals very well. You know, the Just a Girl, Blush Palette, all neutrals, Eden Lipstick, you know, Marshall, Marshall, Marshall Lip Gloss. You know, we just launched Hotline, Black Gel Eyeliner, who doesn't need that. We make fun makeup, and our campaigns are always whimsical and high concept and, and fashion forward. But truthfully, we think of the beauty, everyday beauty consumer first. We, we I don't think of drag, what will drag queens think of this lipstick? I think like, what will that girl who works in the library thinks when she goes to use this blush before she heads out the door to work? Because that's really who uses the product, you know? Product junkies, we try a product and throw it in the back of our drawer. I mean, no matter how good it is, we're moving on. We're always consuming product. I'm just always thinking of the most, like, makeup illiterate person. Like, what will they think of it? What will their experience be? Well, I feel like, you know, to Kirby's point, that's kind of what sets you apart from so many founders with the fact that like you, you are thinking of them because you used to work in retail and you were problem solving for so many, right? Who are like, hey, I just like need to find a blush that like makes me feel pretty that looks good on me or like, I don't know how to do like my eyeshadow or on my eye shape, you know, like you really know what the consumer is looking for because you were helping them. Definitely. Something I, I always, I'm sure you guys have friends like this where they look at your makeup and they go, I wish I could do that. And I'm always like, you can. Women would always be like, I wish I could wear that lipstick. I'm like, who's stopping you? What are you talking about? Or like, you know, I wore makeup at the counter sometimes and people would be like, I wish I could wear a smoky eye. I'm like, you can. Like, I don't know who told you you can't. But this was a different time. This was before YouTube 
really blew up with beauty. This was before there was so much education. This was at a time where, honestly, the intimidating women behind makeup counters were the teachers of the world. They were the beauty experts. And now people honestly trust someone from TikTok more than someone working at the wall. That's just the truth. They do. So this was at a time where, like, your job as a makeup employee was educating. Your job was to educate people on product, on technique. I mean, we don't work in the beauty industry. We work in the self-esteem industry. And your job was to guide people through a what could be a very sensitive conversation about their skin texture or a blemish or hooded lids or and have that conversation in an empowering way where it's like, you can do a smoky eye, but for your eye shape, you would do it this way. And that's why you never like the way it looked. Or people will be like, I hate that foundation. Or people are like, I want that foundation. My cousin loves it. I'm like, well, what kind of skin does your cousin have? Because you're not going to like it. You know, there was sort of a, a complicated web of trust when it comes to selling people's makeup because I would tell people straight off the bat, I never worked anywhere where I got commission. So I was always like, I don't get commission. I, I'm like, I'm like, LaRock might be having an event this weekend, but they're not paying me enough to lie to you about this project. Like, this is a nice project. <laughs> right. And then I would tell them like some, I was, I was in some ways a bad salesperson because if I had a bunch of products there and they were like, I really love it, but my God, my husband's going to put me in the guillotine if I spend $800 at Macy's today. And I'd be like, you know what? Get the primer. Get the shadows. I'd be, I'd be like, you know what? Look gloss next time. And this mascara is really similar to this one from the drugstore if you have to. Be. Like, that's probably why I always got fired. I always got fired trying to make a job. I should also say that. I always got fired. <laughs> but I always had the best sales up until I, like, you know, in my early 20s, was late too many times or whatever I did, you know. When I worked at Alta, I remember I had three strikes. You can be late more than three minutes three times, and then you're fired. And let's just say, in Wisconsin in the winter, I use those up pretty quickly. <laughs> but, and you know, what's crazy is my sister is a beauty. My sister's a great makeup artist, hair and makeup artist, and she works at the same Alta in Brookfield at the same Alta I worked at. Isn't that crazy? I love that. Oh, she was here for Christmas, and I was like, "Which Ulta do you work?" Because she and I always talk about product. Because she working at an Ulta, she gets all the education I don't get anymore. So I'm always like, "What's cool? What do people love?" She and I went to Sephora, and I was like, "Tell me what." I was like, "Let's just walk the aisles and tell me what people love. Tell me what people are really into." And she was like, "I work at the one in Brookfield." I was like, "You're kidding me." I was like, "I was like the one next to the Party City and the Old Country Buffet, girl. That's my Ulta." That's amazing. But I, I love teaching people about makeup. I do. I love that she's able to give you intel because that's what Sarah and I love to do. We love to go into Sephora's and Ulta's and just see where are the people congregating, who's buying what. On that note, Trixie, have you heard of the Sephora teens and tweens, the Sephora kids, the Ulta kids? Like, have you heard about this and how do you feel about it? Oh, I've seen like Patrick Starr did a TikTok of like kids coming in and like yelling at employees about drunk elephant. Is it like that vibe? Yep. Did they do that to you? Yes. They're taking over. Let's just say if that was happening when I worked at Sephora and Ulta, I would have been fired a lot fucking faster. Let's just say that. Like, <laughs> I would have been fired faster. I would have been like, it would have been like that scene in Bridesmaids where that girl comes in to buy jewelry and she calls her a cunt and gets fired. That's what would have happened to me. Of course. But how do you feel about like a younger generation now started obviously not buying retinol and not buying glycolic acid, not buying like $75 products they definitely don't need, but there's an interest now in not only like tween skincare, but makeup and what's what they're allowed to where they find it like as a way of self-expression and they like going into these stores. Like, do you feel passionately either way about that? Or is it just kind of like a rite of passage? I mean, I think it's good because people want to buy quick fixes, right? People are quicker to buy a concealer than they are to buy an eye cream. Does that make sense? Like people want to, they want to see mm -hmm. differences right now. So I like the interest in skincare because it shows that the consumer understands the pattern of like using a product. And I mean, anything skincare related, they really say you need like four weeks to really see any real changes. And then you'll watch TikToks of people being like, I put this on. And there's usually surface level benefits of skincare. Like maybe this is a softening agent and this is kind of mattifying and this cools redness. But then there's often benefits that you don't see for weeks. Like if it's niacinamide or retinol or whatever. And I guess I like that consumers are so young and so educated. But I also want to say, if you're not drinking eight cups of water a day and exercising and wearing sunblock, then you don't care. Like, what is moisturizer? You know, like, I do think 
so much of skincare matters, but so much of real self-care matters. If you're not getting eight hours of sleep, if you're not drinking all this water, if you're like, you're not exercising, you don't really care about what happens to your skin, do you? You know? And that's what nobody wants to say. And that's the difficult conversation that I'm here to have. How do you fit in the time to sleep eight hours and work out every day with your busy schedule? Well, I like quit drinking alcohol, and that really helps, even though it's super boring. <laughs> you would never think I quit drinking, because I'll be like, oh, I love that. Oh, God, I love a martini. Like, you don't drink. I'm like, yeah, but I still love it. Like, in spirit, I love it. I'm just not currently drinking it. I mean, I'm boring. Like, I go to bed by midnight every night. I wake up 7, 8. And then when I have a DJ gig, because I also DJ, so on weekends when I have a DJ gig, I have to, like, psych myself into being past, but, like, up past midnight. It's horrible. Because during the week, I'll be in drag 8, 9 a.m. When I filmed Pit Stop last week, I was in drag on set at 8.30 in the morning. But then on the weekends, I might be DJing at 2 in the morning. So the schedule, like, is all over the place. You know, I also have help. Everybody's always like, it seems like you're everywhere at once. And I'm like, I am, but there's also my assistant with me. There's often, you know, somebody to touch me up on camera. There's managers. There's agents. It's not, it's not just me, even though it always seems like it's just me. But at the end of the day, Rubber's the road. I'm the only one who can put on the Trixie makeup and the wig and do it, you know. Because I've never even had makeup artists. This is kind of one of my two. What do you guys think about this? And this is not directed at anyone. If I stopped doing my own makeup, I feel like my credibility as a makeup entrepreneur goes out the window. And so I still like doing my own makeup as Trixie. But lately, I've been flirting with getting a makeup artist because sometimes I'm like, God, eight in the morning to sit in a makeup chair and close my eyes and wake up and have it done. Some days I'm like, that would be really nice. But most days, I'm so antisocial, I would rather have a dressing room closed and put on my little episode of the office or whatever TV show I'm watching and just get ready quietly. I often just don't want somebody in my bubble. But what do you think? Should I get a makeup artist finally? Is it time? I was going to ask, actually. I was like, are you now employing a makeup artist to help you with your, you know, look with your busy schedule? But I do understand the feeling because like I I see people that transform themselves and then when I realize that they have a team and they're actually not doing it anymore I'm kind of like does it take the magic out of it like I don't know oh that's kind of like a bummer yeah but I will say to your level of makeup I feel like having someone help you do that a few times a week or whatever is like yeah like you should totally be able to rely on someone I'm surprised that you have been doing it because my Brandon is my full-time assistant, and he's, like, more of a admin. You know, he helps emails and calls and work. He doesn't do makeup or anything. I was thinking, like, maybe it's time for me to get a makeup assistant or a drag assistant, like, in addition. So I have an assistant for, like, helping me with stuff, and then an assistant who can, like, not to be gross, you know, I'm often getting in drag, painting my own back, doing my own body makeup. I mean, I do my own nails. I do my own hair. Like, I do all of that. And sometimes, like, when I do Queen of the Universe Season 2, for that season, I had a makeup assistant. It was Jack from Glow Up. I don't know if you guys watched Glow Up. Um, they were my makeup assistant. And I'm not great at symmetry. So Jack would stand behind me in the mirror and just be like, that's how it's higher. That's off. That, and, uh, but I have a hard time relinquishing control. Like sometimes I would sketch out the black liner and then hand him the brush and be like, all right, fill that in. Because I'm, so, I'm such a control freak. Yeah. But even that would help. Yeah. Because with the Trixie makeup, it's all proportioned a certain way. If one thing is off, it's all off because nothing is based on my real features. So if the cheek moves and the eye moves, the whole thing is off to me. Actually, we didn't even touch on this. And for listeners that maybe are not privy to what your look is inspired by, obviously your name is Trixie Mattel. There's the Barbie element. There's the doll-like element to your makeup. I was reading that you said your proportions are based off of Polly Pocket, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I always wanted like the body of Polly Pocket, the face of Barbie and like the hair of my little pony. That was like my original vision. Cause I liked that look of Polly Pocket sort of, I mean, Barbie has this too, but that extreme waist with the hips and the big head. I liked that Polly Pocket had a huge head. I always wanted to look like a huge head and that like, like a lollipop, <laughs> like a big head with hair and a tiny body. Obviously Barbie is huge for me. And then a lot of toys, I mean, Betty Spaghetti, Polly Pocket, my little pony, Rainbow Bright. I was speaking toy language with my drag before I really knew the language of fashion or like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. But I knew when I started drag, if I had to start learning about women's clothing and learning about makeup and hair with Barbie, I had six decades 
of references. I mean, Barbie has done every job. She's lived through every fashion trend, uh, makeup trend, hair trend. So there, there was something to research with her. There was always somewhere to go and something to reference. And then when I'm building my monster, I could look and be like, all right, well, at the end of the day, if I do big blonde hair and a tiny waist, that's how the clothes will look on me. Like that, that type of look, if I, you know, will look like on me. And, you know, Trixie also, I don't know if there's listeners who don't know what I look like. It is this graphic 60s plastic doll, you know, California dreaming, you know, kind of Austin Powers Barbie vibe. And it just, because I'm a man, I mean, out of drag, I don't have soft features. I don't have a tiny nose or a tiny head. I have square jaw. I'm six feet tall. For me, doing a bigger clown Barbie thing was a great way for me to cheat all my proportions. Because I'm not naturally a very, like, feminine-looking guy. So my nose, my eyes, everything had to go. I couldn't really work off my real eyelids. I couldn't work off my real nose. Like, everything had to change for me to do this. So I just lucked out. I mean, that eye makeup, I was, like, 18, 19, 20, experimenting with eye shapes. And I don't know what I was on that day. I I wasn't doing drugs or anything. But whatever creative streak I was on that made me come up with that floating white underneath and I mean, obviously, like, Bozo exists. I didn't invent white eyeliner. But whatever I was on in that period of my life to figure out the Trixie makeup in the beginning, I'm glad I figured it out. Well, I think no one would say anything if you had a makeup artist, but I feel like the hardest part for you would be to relinquish the control and, like, be able to be like, okay, I I will take care of this. But I feel like you could train someone. My other fear is that they would do such a good job that I would be beholden to them. And then I would be like, well, now I have to use a lot of time. That's true. That's true. You know, like um, Bob the Drag is one of my good friends. And you can tell when Bob has a makeup artist. <laughs> Let's just say that. And so I would be worried that somebody would hit the slow button so fiercely that all the comments would be like, wow, you've never looked better. And then I would be like, wow, I'm a terrible makeup artist. <laughs> you know, like my feelings would be hurt. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> never. No, no. But I also think it's important to keep the tools in my hand. You know, like, Build, making makeup, I have to keep tools in my hands to have that voice. Yeah. I mean, you'll never not. Like, it's just part of who you are, especially with developing, you know, product for Trixie Cosmetics. And it's fast and easy. Yeah, I'm sure it is not fast and easy to do Trixie. I mean, it's makeup. two hours. <laughs> for your face? Are you on drugs? I mean, for me, it's fast and easy, you know. But I've been doing it for 15 years. I feel like two hours, though, is quick in, like, drag makeup. I feel like... I don't know, the ones I have interviewed before have said like six hours. Well, think think of this. In LA, for a woman to get red carpet ready, if you guys were going to an event, wouldn't you give yourself two hours to do the full hair, the shower, the everything? Yep. So I think women in LA are kind of in the same boat, to be honest. It's all drag, baby. I ran into Rashida Jones at an event. Oh, it was in a Priscilla movie premiere. And I love The Office, and I had to go say hi to Rashida. You know, like, I'm such a, such a nerd, right? And I go up and I was like, hi, Rashida. I just, I just, I love Karen Filippelli in the office. I love you so much. And she knew Trixie because Sophia Coppola knows Trixie. And they were sitting together. And I said, and Sophia was like, oh, you didn't come to Trixie Drag. And I said, yeah, I just, to sit through a movie premiere and drag, to sit in the movie theater is really hard for me. And a gown and hair. And Rashida goes, what do you think we go through? And she's kind of right. I mean, she probably doesn't have a steel bone corset on like I do, but. You know, for these women in L.A. to go to Hollywood movie premieres and then sit in a gown for two hours. Oh, my God. Horrible. Horrible. Okay, Trixie, you've had so many incredible moments in your career. But what was like the one moment where you're like, all right, I officially have made it? Was it when you, you know, were on RuPaul's Drag Race? Was it not until, you know, you were on tour? Like, what was the moment where you were like, oh, my gosh. Was it releasing an album? Was it launching the makeup line? Every one of these has its own thing. Like, when I first was cast on Drag Race in, what, 2014, I remember hanging up the phone and running. I didn't know how to process it. I ran out of my apartment building and ran down the street, just running, laughing. Running, laughing. Like, ha, 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 Like, crying, running, laughing. Down the street, which was, I just, my body couldn't process it. I just ran. I just ran. And then, you know, I remember when I put out my first record, I remember landing in the UK because I was flying when it was coming out. And when I landed and saw it on the charts, that was so crazy. At immigration, you like scroll up on iTunes and see your own face on record charts. It was like, couldn't comprehend it. Couldn't comprehend it. Couldn't comprehend it. 
couldn't comprehend it. And I remember the next day I had to go to a guitar shop to pick up some strings for this tour I was on. And the guitar shop owner was like, so you do music? He was like, what kind of music? And before he finished, what kind of music did you do? I was like, I've been born an album on uh, Sarah Songwriter Charts. And so I couldn't, I couldn't help but like scream <laughs> to the first person who would listen. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously when I won Drag Race, it was magic. It was like time froze. It was magical. And to be honest, when my book was a New York Times bestseller, it was during COVID and I ran out of the patio of my condo and I screamed, I'm a New York Times bestseller. And across the street, they were building a condo building and the workers just like looked over and were like, okay. It's never the moment you want. I'm always somewhere alone when it happens, and I have no one to tell. That's usually, like, it's exciting, but awkward. Yeah, it's always something like that. I'm, I'm curious. So you did talk about your makeup, and it's evolved a little bit. Like, there's always been, like, the, the basis of it, but it's evolved. How do you see your makeup evolving in the next five to ten years? Have you been wanting, wanting to make a drastic change, or are you afraid to do anything that might derail your following? That is so interesting you ask that. You know, you can tell when I'm on tour, like a, like a tour, because the makeup gets really big. Like when I was on Trixie and Katia, the eyes were really big again. And then going back to doing Trixie Motel season two this summer for HGTV, you can see it shrink again, because when I'm on TV, it tends to shrink down. The proportions shrink down. And now when I go do Solid Pink Disco, my touring, you know, party I DJ, that's when you see like sequins on the face and like almost like a club kid version of Trixie. But honestly, I'm softer. I've been doing less contour, like less of anything. So like smaller black liner, smaller white, little less contour. I'm really into precision right now. I'm really into like, not neutrals, but like, oh, if I'm going to cut that crease with a liquid liner, why don't I use a dark brown instead of black? I'm really into like the nuances of like, oh, if the white under my eye is white, let's make the white on my lid a little less white. I do think with big clown makeup, those tiny details are what makes a big difference. Like, when you get close to me in drag, you're like, wow, there's little hairs drawn in and the eyebrows. Like, I, I do try to make the makeup read for far away, but leave some details so that if you get close, it doesn't look like a stage makeup. There is some detail to it. And I guess right now, to answer your question, I'm very interested in detail with Trixie. Because I've never been very detail-oriented with my makeup. I'm like, just, you know, a lot of drag queen stands if that's the dressing room and that's the mirror, they'll stand this far away and do the makeup because honestly, that's nobody's going to see us that close. And lately I've been a little more like up to the face with the mirror, like really trying to do precision stuff with drag, really precision liner, like double wing or, you know, if I'm going to do brow hairs, maybe I'll use two different colored markers so that there's a gradient. I'm really into detail right now. I think there's, ever since I stopped drinking, there's also something meditating like meditative about doing makeup and like getting in the zone. And I'm also trying to get better posture because I'm 34. This is no way to do makeup for two hours a day. Like it's like <laughs> my TMJ, my shoulders, my neck, like my body does not like that. So I'm also going through a pale phase for a while. I was really into like sixties beach bunny Trixie. Really. I fake tanned every day and this is my real skin color now. And, I am so fair, but lately I've just been like, well, whatever, I'm fair. Let's just do that now. Because when you're changing your whole skin color, it's a little like when you dramatically color your hair and then you have to worry about roots. When I'm coloring my whole body a new foundation color, because I want it to be more sunny, 60s Trixie, I'm having to do body makeup in my armpit. Like, I have to cover everything with a new color foundation, which is like the witness protection program at a certain point. So I'm trying to just like, you know, and I'm turmer now. I've lost 30 pounds. So drag makeup doesn't wear on my face like it used to. When I was chubbier, my rounder shapes in my face popped out. This Trixie face was sweeter. It was rounder. It was like apple cheeks. And now in drag, I look more angular and like strict. And so I do try to soften more because those hard angles on an angled face, I look very severe. So I've been having to like round the cheek instead of like straight lines. Or, you know, the eyelid, instead of straight lines up and out, I've been closing the lid again to do a, a circle shape because just rounder shapes read better on my really scrawny face now. Fascinating. I love that. Well, it's a little bit like how they say if you have angular features, you should do soft brows. And if you have soft features, you should do angle brows. I do think a lot of those old school beauty, like rules, rules are made to be broken. But I do think like the retail makeup artist to me, I believe in a bold lip and then a neutral eye or like a bold eye and then a soft lip. I do think of a lot of those balance rules 
are very valid. And when you do have a more angular face, it is a good move to soften, just soften, soften, soften. We always joke in drag that drag queens just draw brown circles around everything. We draw like a brown circle around our forehead, brown circle around our nose, our eyes. And we're like, look, I'm a woman. Because it is, I mean, it is ridiculous what we do. Uh, and I have my off days. I have my days where I look in the mirror and I go, I kept my foot in my, uh, my finger on it, but I, I didn't do a very good job today. And then some days I look in the mirror and I'll be like, okay, I don't know what I did. This looks great. But I wasn't paying close enough attention to know what I did. So here we are. You know, I guess we'll find out. It's little things, you know, like I recommend everybody try putting your blush somewhere else. When I moved my blush from here to like basically my temples, my whole face changed. When I started rounding my lip, instead of doing kind of two bows, when I started just rounding the upper lip, I was like, that makes my face look more like a baby and less like a strict diva. It's those little things that when you do your makeup every day, you put your brain on autopilot and you do the same thing over and over again. When you consciously make small choices, sometimes you're like, wow, the whole face is different from one little thing. Okay, we got to talk about Hotline. Hotline, Hotline, Hotline Gel Liner. It's currently sold out, you said. So we're very lucky to have it. The black is sold out. The brush is sold out. The white, you maybe have, um, I'm honestly, a few hundred maybe left. Truly, we'll probably go on by what time this comes out. Um, I love black and white graphic liner, obviously. And if you guys know, you guys have it in hand. There is no white gel liner like that on the market. It doesn't exist. Mm-mm. Honorable mentions, I love the Inglot one. I love the KBD Beauty one in white out. And I used to love the NYX one, but they discontinued it. And when they discontinued the NYX one, which was my holy grail, I started working on Hotline, and it is white, it is opaque, and the black Hotline is black. It does not need to be set with black eyeshadow. It dries black. I actually think this formula, these gel liners that you have in your hands, I think they wear better without setting them. I think they wear the best on their own, and they they sold really, really well. They were like, I couldn't believe that they were gone. It was their bestseller in two years. I saw a video of somebody on TikTok saying that this launch kind of scratched an itch for them because it's when a brand and a founder puts out a product that is truly, it's like the ethos. Like when you think of Trixie, you think of the black and white liner, you know, like that, that is something like that is a part of you. And so it would be crazy if you had not, I mean, you could have just launched a black liner. That's all you needed to do really. But launching the white, I think, was so smart to have the mm-hmm. duet of both of them together. It's, it was it was really genius, and they're both incredible. Yeah, they're beautiful. And the campaign images, Darian Darling, who does all of our campaigns, she snapped on that checkerboard makeup. She did that freehand. I was convinced that was just CGI, like computer generated. We were getting DMs, basically people saying we were being dishonest. I was like, no. Because if you notice, Darian... It's not just a checkerboard. The checkers contour to the eye shape. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. have done that, but I'm glad Darian did. I was like, Darian, that is wild what you just did. Because if she just did flat black and white squares, the eye would look flat. But she contoured it. So the eye looks contoured in the checker mark. I was like, you're out of your mind. Darian's amazing. At Moi Darian Darling on Instagram, she is. You know, when she's not working for me, she literally is like out doing Gucci campaigns and stuff. Like, I can't believe she, she's a good friend of mine. And so, we love collaborating. But Hotline's amazing, and the, the campaign looks are beautiful. There's something, something so clean about just black and white liner. And the boldness of just a simple black and white. Even if you're just going to do a black cat eye with a little white underneath, there's something so manicured about it. It's like a French tip for your face. Like, I love it. Ooh, I love that. I just love how, how quickly it dries, too. Like you said, it just, like, sets so perfectly. Well, you know, I, I have brands reach out to me a lot. They offer to pay me to do videos talking about their white liners, and I always make them send it, and then I try it, and then I tell them whether or not I'll talk about it. And you notice I've never done one because I'm never happy with the white liners. You know, there needed to be some kind of black gel liner equivalent that was white. And I was like, I know I can do this because I've used every white liner on the market, and I have a problem with every single one of them. So... You know, I think it's like Charlotte Tilbury doing like Pillow Talk and her little red liner or like, you're right, when brands do a product that really is like their their aesthetic, black and white liner is definitely our thing. And we want to do more. I would love to do a black and white pen because I love pens. Sometimes when you're lazy, you just want to draw something on. And there's not enough good white pen liners. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Even white liquid liners. 
My favorite one was the Sephora one. It was the discontinued. They make great liners, by the way. The Sephora collection, epic. Love them. Sephora, like store brand products are really, really good. They are. Sephora collection, so good. Yeah, so good. We love them. Okay, okay. Before we go, Trixie, we're ready for your speed round. We loved having you today. And we want to know, as a drag queen, what are five things you would never do? Okay, five things I would never do. One, if there's a bunch of food available to me in the dressing room, I'm taking it. Taking it home with me. So I would never leave a dressing room where they, they bought me my favorite chips or my favorite Starburst. And I would never leave it there. I'm taking it home. If you ever come over to Trixie Cosmetics <laughs> Studios where we do my YouTube videos and you notice we have really nice snacks, I'm like, these are from Amazon. These are from Hulu. These I stole from Netflix, you know. So as a drag queen, I'm taking that free item, okay? What else would I never do? I would never. I saw a TikTok ad recently that was like, it's a company where you sign up to go on a vacation with a group of strangers. Absolutely not. And they sell it like, they sell it like, have an amazing experience with a group of strangers. I said, are you out of your fucking mind? No, that's called, that's called human trafficking. I'm not doing that. What else would I never do? I never waste product. I never waste product. Even if I'm not crazy about product, I usually try to use it until it's gone. I hate wasting product. I feel weird. These videos where someone's like, Tried it once, hate it, and throw it away. I'm always like, give it to someone. Give it to your cousin. Like, I hate the idea of wasting product. I know so much of beauty is about consuming, but find someone who wants that idea. Like, I hate the idea of wasting stuff, especially makeup. Or use it on your body. A lot of foundations I'll end up just using on my body or my hands if I don't like the formula, you know? Another thing I would never do, I would never, I would never drive. You never catch me driving around Los Angeles. Like, I'm gay. You don't want me on the road. You don't need a drag queen pillow while parking. Like, a drag queen looking out the window. If you see a drag queen trying to pillow park, move your car. Because they're about to hit it. Okay? Like, you're about to lose your bumper. (laughs) Because Meatball from from Precinct is going to bump into it. Like, Willem. Or someone in LA in a wig is going to hurt your car. Willem. Not Willem. Oh, my God. Okay, one more. And finally, something else I would never do. I would never call an artist by their real name. If she says her name is Gaga, don't call her Stephanie. If she says her name is Trixie, don't call him Brian. Like, if an artist says that's their name, that's their name. And I, I find it so, I find it like kind of across, across of a personal boundary when somebody calls me Brian. That I don't know. That's like a thing. I'm so glad you said that because we were, do we say Trixie? Do we say Brian? We're like, we're just going for Trixie. That is how. Well, asking is fine. Asking is fine, but, like, if you're at the stage door and you still, and, like, I don't know, I think it's weird to be, like, hi, Brian, and I'm, like, you know, I don't know, I, that, always, that always feels so personal, like, you're resetting my social security number, I don't know why. The look <laughs> on your face that you just gave was incredible. So, please, do not call an artist by their real name, that is, that is so right. Gaga is Gaga. Exactly. She's not Stephanie Germanata to us, mere plebeians, please. I try to think of what's a good, what's a good example of that. And maybe other artists feel differently. Maybe other artists don't, don't mind at all. Or maybe like, you know, if your name is Rosalia, you probably don't mind being called Rosalia. You know, if your artist's name is your name. But for me, especially with drag queens, like a real stage name like that. If you walked up to Elvira and you said, hi, Cassandra, I think that's so inappropriate. I agree. If you saw PB Harmony, you're like, hi, Paul, like call them their stage name. That's the name they told you to use. <laughs> Yeah. Has anyone ever called Rihanna Robin to her face, like in an interview? I don't even know her name's Robin. See, that feels like, it, yeah, like too personal. I would never go up to Rihanna and say, hi, Robin. She'd be like, bitch, what are you talking about? She'd roll up her window, like in that famous meme. Totally, she'd roll up that window. <laughs> totally. Amazing. Trixie, you are so fun. We are so glad we had you. We know everyone's going to lose it over this episode. Your products, not only fun to look at, fun to use. Uh, We can count on these products. Like I'm literally obsessed with Eden. This lipstick is my fucking jam. I love it. And I know Sarah loves the liner. It's also so good. You're, You're a genius. Well, you know, back in the day, I would buy like, you know, Smashbox, Makeup Forever, Mac, and ours, it was all black packaging. It was the best formulas. And then I would go to Claire's and I would buy the Claire's makeup. 
which was great packaging, fun packaging, but really not great. You know, it's play makeup. And I would scoop out like the product from players and put the pro formulas in the pan. And that's kind of how I always had the vision for the brand because I was always like, why do we have to have good formulas in boring packaging? Why can't we have the fun packaging with the good formula? So totally amazing. Trixie, thank you so much for coming on Los Angeles. We adore you. You are the best. Thank you. Bye y'all. All right, that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com